0: Heavenly Father, God, you are indeed worthy of your name. Lord, as we look at your word now, we look at what you have to say to us as we open this book in front of us, God, I pray that we would understand that the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that has the power to take this word and change our lives, that's the same power that exists in each and every one of us, God. It is also the same resurrecting power that existed within Jesus Christ himself. So, Lord, I pray that as we open your word, I pray that as we look at what you have said to us, God, I pray that we would do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would not leave us where we are, but it, it would, he would continue to convict us and show us the things that we need to do to be more and more like your son Jesus. God, this is about you. This is your time. I pray that we would take this time seriously and we would see that it is indeed about you. That it is about your power and your glory and what you're going to do in and through our lives, God, as, as we live according to this word. So, God, thank you so much for giving us this word. God, thank you for allowing us to, to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're starting a new series today. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you the dilemma I have. So, uh, because Wednesday nights are primarily ge- geared towards students... There's a lot of times where I feel like, well, I need to tell you something about more about your friendships or how to have better relationships or what your love life is supposed to look like and give you all of this very practical advice, right? So this particular series is about resurrection. And you may say to yourself, well, how in the world do we make that applicable to our lives? Let me tell you something. There is something so special about this word. What you need more than any kind of practical advice, what you need more than any kind of, uh, you know, you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What does Tony Robbins give? He gives inspirational speech, speeches, right? Yeah, that's what it is. What you need more than any inspirational speech is you need the word of God poured into your life. I was like debating, I was like, I don't know if I should do this. It's on resurrection and is it going to speak to a bunch of young people and then like, I, I've gotten several messages from people uh, just in the past couple of days that were people that grew up and were part of ministries that I was a part of in the past. And I got to thinking about, you know, there is no inspirational speech that I could give that is going to stick with people the way that the Word of God will stick with people. Because this has the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what takes the Word of God and changes your life And what I'm telling you today is what you need more of is not in more inspirational speeches, but what you need more of is the Word of God in your life. That is what is going to stick with you. That is what is going to change your life, is the very words of God Himself. So we're doing a series called Resurrected. Um, Just as a a curiosity, um, do you know how many people resurrected in the New Testament? Anybody want to take a stab? Everybody's like, you can just hold up fingers. Anybody want to hold up fingers? Everybody's afraid to hold up fingers. Anybody want to take a stab? I see three. I see three. Three, two. Anybody else want? Oh, I see a four back there. Four happens to be the correct answer. Yeah, you'll learn that in this series. But we're going to look in this series, we're not only going to look at the New Testament, And the picture of resurrection there and when Jesus physically resurrected the dead and when he physically resurrected himself from the dead. But we're also going to look at the Old Testament. And we're going to see the picture of resurrection in the Old Testament as well. And I don't have any really funny story to tell you. I don't have any way of like capturing your attention and telling you that, man, let me tell you about something that happened with me and how this ties into resurrection. The only thing I can tell you is that I myself was resurrected from death to life when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. When God brought me from death to life, that was a miracle of God. It happened for all of eternity because when, when, when God rescued me from myself, that was an eternal rescue. And I went from being dead in my trespasses and sin to being alive in Christ. And that was a miracle of God. And I think that we we always pray for the miraculous, right? I want to see the miraculous. I want to experience the miraculous. I want to witness the miraculous. What about when somebody goes from death to life, resurrection itself? Isn't that pretty miraculous? What about when somebody goes from spiritual death to spiritual life? I mean, you understand that, that, that if you go from physical death to life, like Jesus resurrected three other people, right? If you do that, those people are still going to die, by the way. Did you know that? Like, he re- he rose, they rose from the dead. Jesus resurrected them, but they're not still walking around. You can't go see them in Atlanta. They're, they're, they're not walking around anymore. You know why? It's because they died. They physically died again. Boy, that must stink to die twice, right? But they died twice. When you are rescued from your sin and Jesus Christ saves your soul, you are saved for all of eternity. That you don't die again, like, like you are resurrected in your life, in your eternal life again. Just for all of eternity, you don't die again. It's just like you're eternally alive as a result of what God did. What a miracle! Well, like you don't have to endure death again spiritually. You're alive. That's a tremendous miracle. Way better than physical resurrection, wouldn't you say? That's a heck of a lot better. So. As we look at this uh, this series, Resurrected, um, I'm going to go to an Old Testament passage, and you are going to rub your head when you hear what I have to say today, just like I'm rubbing mine right now. If you want to flip in your Bible to follow along, you're certainly welcome to. We'll be in Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, if you're wondering where that is, just turn to Lamentations and go to your right. That's where it is, so. Everybody knows where Lamentations is, right? So, the other thing I always like to say is go to page 698. That's where it is in my Bible. I'm sure it's not that's where it is in yours, but we're going to be talking about Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is this messenger of God. Actually, let me flip back here to the beginning of Ezekiel. And, like, this dude just had a tremendous responsibility on his shoulders. In Ezekiel chapter 3, this is what it says. It says, Seven days after the Lord gave me a message, He said, "Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If you warn warn the wicked, saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you have saved yourself because you have obeyed me." This dude has a lot of weight on his shoulders. The people of Israel, basically, have sinned against God. They've been in exile. And this is about what happens to the people of God as they are rescued, as they are brought back to the original creation that God had made them to be. And when, when you listen to these words, I not only want you to think about the nation of Israel being rescued, the nation of Israel having new life breathed into them, but think about salvation itself, a person who has come to faith in Jesus Christ And and think about how that applies to this particular passage, even though this is a passage in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to dig into it. It's a little bit long, but I think we need to just read it because you need the Word of God. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it says this, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around the the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. He asked me, son of man, can these bones become living, living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe into you and make you live again i will put flesh and muscles on you and cover your skin i will put your breath back into you and you will come to life then you will know that i am the lord so i spoke this message just that he had told me suddenly the as i spoke there was a rattling noise all across the valley the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as a complete skeleton then I, then as i watched muscles and flesh formed over their bodies and the skin covered their bodies But they had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message into the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and the breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood to their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then, you will bring, then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and, and you will live again and return home. Home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and that I have done what what I what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Wow, like that's a lot. That's pretty deep, right? So let's kind of pick it apart a little bit tonight. And let's just walk through it and see what God is saying to us. It says, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the spirit of the valley filled with bones. So you know, you know what that says to me? To me, when I think about this, this prophet of God was drugged into a place where there are dry, dead bones. Dead men's bones is what fills this valley. And the spirit of the Lord has taken him there. This doesn't mean that, that he decided on his own. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything like that. It means that, that he was responsive to the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, drug him to a place where there were dry, dead bones. If you think about the places that we're called to go into, into this world, they are full of dry, dead bones. Sometimes we just go and surround ourselves with people that are like us and talk like us and act like us and believe like us. I believe that when you follow the Holy Spirit of God, I believe that there are times and most of the time God will drag you into a place, if you are obedient to his Holy Spirit, where it, does not, it is not filled with people that look like you and act like you and talk like you. It is people that, 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 are, that are dry and dead, dead in their trespasses and sin, that they, they, they live lives that are sinful and destructive. And, and God will take you to those places so you can see those things and have compassion upon those people In the life that they live, that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. If you think about what the Holy Spirit of God did to Paul, he would would take him to one place, he would be stoned nearly to death there, and and then he would be taken into another place. And he said that he was following the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord was taking him from this place to this place to this place. You know what we need more of? I, I believe people that are spirit led. I know that we, when we first started Simple Church, we talked about that a lot, right? Like how we are to be people that are led by the Spirit of God. I think we've gotten away from that mentality a little bit. We don't talk about it as much as, as maybe we once did. It's not that we don't believe that we should be. It's just that we're not, it's not in the forefront of our minds. We are to be led by the Spirit of God, that God is supposed to direct our steps And it will not always be into a place that is clean and tidy and nice where everybody loves us. As a matter of fact, get this, there have been times where I have said, I believe that God is leading us to do this as a church, as a group of believers. And you know, there will be people that will go behind my back and slander their pastor and go, well, how can you argue with that when he says he's led by the Spirit? How can you say that he's wrong if he just says he's following God? The truth of the matter is, if you're following the Holy Spirit of God and you're seeking the face of God, if I'm wrong in what I believe God is leading us to do, then you need to be seeking the face of God yourself and praying that that same Holy Spirit will speak truth into my life as opposed to going behind my back and talking about me. We need more people that are led by the Spirit of God. We need more people that are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do whatever God leads me to do, regardless of what anybody else thinks. That's the position I'm in a lot of times. Regardless of what anybody else thinks, this is what I believe God's leading us to do. You see, if we were all in agreement all the time, we wouldn't need a leader, would we? The leader of this church is Jesus Christ. It's not Kenny. And you won't always agree with what he's leading you to do. As a matter of fact, I would say there's going to be a majority of times where you don't want to do what he wants you to do. Ezekiel here is taken into this valley full of dry, dead bones. And I believe this is the picture of how we, as followers of Christ, as messengers of God, are supposed to go into those same valleys, those places that are ugly and nasty and filthy and dirty. And we're supposed to go there And we're supposed to follow the Holy Spirit there. And then what are we supposed to do? So he goes there. The Spirit of the Lord is laying there. And he doesn't just go and look at a distance, right? He doesn't just say, oh, look how nasty it is down there. Those people really need God. Those people are dead. No, what does he do? He led me around among the bones that covered the valley floor. He didn't just stay at a distance and look at it. He's walking around in the midst of it, seeing the death itself, seeing the destruction that is there, because this is to give him a passion, right? You know that when you go and you're in the midst of dead people, it will give you a passion for them to be raised. There are people, many people that come in here on a Sunday morning, even on a Wednesday night who are actually dead. They don't want to admit that. They like to think that they're saved. They like to think that they're good. But we'll talk about in just a second the reality of how you can know. How you can know. They were scattered everywhere on the ground and we're completely dry on this. Son of man, can these bones become living people again? So, so here, he, he's, he's talking to Ezekiel and he asks the question. He says, <laughs> What does it mean when God asks a question? If you've ever been to Simple Church, you know that this, the answer is when God asks a question. It's not because God doesn't know the answer. It's because God is giving an invitation. He's giving an invitation right here to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel is not presumptuous to the Lord. He, he, he doesn't even say, God, I believe that you will do this. God, I believe that this is going to happen. He says to the Lord, he says, you alone know the answer to that. You, God, are the one that has the answer to that. You are the one that has the power over death, and you are the one that knows how to bring things to life, how to breathe life into things. You alone know the answer to that. I think too often we are presumptuous in our assuming of what God is going to do or assuming to know the mind of the Lord. I think that too many times we go into a situation, I do this, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where I do it. I go into a situation oftentimes where I say, well, God, you must want the church to be full of people. You must want, we've got like 200 chairs in here. I presume in my own heart that God would have every one of those filled. Do you know that Jesus would speak to people and run them away? He would speak truth into their lives, and because it was so true, they could not take it. And they would just walk away, and he would look at the 12 and say, are you going to go away too? There is a mentality that is run rampant in this world today that we need to do anything and everything we can to make sure people feel okay. If they feel okay, then they'll come to church. Right? If, if we'll coddle them in whatever condition they're in and tell them it's okay, then they'll come to church. And, that's the, and, and it seems like a good thing to get them to church, right? The problem is, is when you get them to church, if you continue to not tell them their sin is sin, then you're not doing them any good. You're not doing them any good because you're not telling them truth. There's this mentality in the world today, and it was just voted on by the Methodist church, that whatever we can do to coddle people, to make them feel okay, we don't have to tell them their sin is sin. We just need to get them into the church. And there are pastors within this town who have said that even though the Methodist church is has said that we're not going to allow homosexuality in our leadership, and we're not going to perform homosexual marriages in in the Methodist church. There are pastors in this town who have said that they, they deny that. And they say, it's not okay, and we don't agree with what the Methodist church says. That makes me crazy. And there may be people in here that leave today and never come back. I'm telling you right now, God's word is true. God's Word never changes. I don't care how society changes. I don't care how you feel. This is still truth. And and we could go into all kinds of debates about, about what did Jesus say, what did He not say. All of these kinds of things, man. It's still truth. It's still truth. God sent Jesus to reinforce everything that he's been saying up to this point, and everything about what was sin is sin, and it's still sin, and it hasn't changed. And there's this mentality that if we coddle people just enough to make them feel like they're okay to come into the church, that that's justifiable because we got them into the church. The problem is they come into the church, and we still say the same thing we did to coddle them to come into the church to begin with. That it's okay. That it's not really sin. It's destructive. It's against God. It's in direct opposition to God. And I would stand in front of any any pastor with a PhD and tell him that. Oh sovereign Lord. He is sovereign Lord. He knows. You alone know the answer to that. And he said to me, speak. Speak. You know what I find interesting about that? Is he's a sovereign Lord, and he knows whether or not he's going to breathe life into these dry bones, doesn't he? He knows what's going to happen. But what does he do? He still chooses to use Ezekiel as a method by which he will raise the bones. He says, it's Ezekiel, go and speak a prophetic message to these bones. Go and do something. I think that a lot of people will fall into this trap of because they believe that God is sovereign, that he'll save who he wants to save, and he'll do this, and he'll do that, and, and it's all good. The reality is he is a sovereign Lord. But the reality is this, that he also has called us to speak. He's called us to do something. He uses us for his purposes. I I think that we want to fall back sometimes and say, well, whatever happens, happens. God's sovereign. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. Yes, but God has called you to do something in the midst of that. That God has called you for a specific purpose to actually speak this prophetic message is what he's called Ezekiel to do. Now, prophecy. What is prophecy? Because a lot of people get all mixed up on this. What is prophecy? People will say, oh, like that's the ability to tell the future, Oh, that, that's the ability to be able to, to see this or to see that. You know what prophecy really is? It's to be able to speak the truth, to forth to tell people this is what God has said. This is what God has declared to be true. Are there times and pictures of where like God has talked to John and shown him things that will happen in the future? Yes, but it is proclaiming the truth that has been revealed to him. And, and and we have we have at our disposal truth that has been revealed to us, and we keep looking for all other kinds of junk. We want to we want to add all this other stuff to it because it looks it, it looks fanciful, it, it looks whimsical, and, and, and we can take it to Disneyland. I mean, like it, it, we want we want that kind of we want something to wow us, right? You know what will wow you? Let me tell you this: this book. If you'll actually read it, it will blow your mind the Holy Spirit of God starts challenging you as you read it and as you get deeper and you start to understand things that you didn't think you were able to understand, the Holy Spirit of God starts reminding you of things that you've read. This book will blow your mind. It doesn't have to get any more fanciful than what's already been written here. We don't need to start looking for other stuff, man. It's all right here. Look at what Ezekiel says. speak a prophetic message to these bones and say dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord this is what the sovereign Lord says, look I'm going to put breath into you and give you life again and I will put flesh and and muscles on you and cover you with skin, I will put breath into you and you will come to life, then you will know that I am the Lord God said, say this you know what Ezekiel said he didn't add anything to it He didn't twist it to make it more palatable. He didn't didn't shake it up and and add a bunch of stuff to it. He said, so I spoke this message just as he had told me. In obedience to God, I did exactly as he told me. He didn't put his own spin on it. He didn't sugarcoat it to make everybody feel better. He said, this is what God's told me to do, so this is what I'm going to do. We need more people like this. More people that just will say, you know what? This is what God has said. We should listen to what God has said. We don't need to make up a bunch of other stuff. We just need to listen to what God has said. We need more people in this world to say, here is what the sovereign Lord says. And leave it at that. So he starts speaking this prophetic message over the bones. And what happens? The bones start coming together. They start rattling. They start shaking. And and bones are coming together. Bone on bone. Maybe what your particular translation says. And skeletons are being formed. And then on top of that, you got muscles being formed on top of that. And then skin being formed on top of that. Like this is pretty amazing stuff, right? This is resurrection in its purest form. This is like bones... Beings Like, that's a big deal. And Ezekiel is laying witness to this. He's like, whoa, you know. I mean, I know that I would be. Here we've got these beings being formed from these dry, dead bones. But Ezekiel notices something. Ezekiel says, but there's still no life in them. They look resurrected. We saw something happen. We saw a bunch of noise. We saw a bunch of clamor. But they're not really resurrected. They're just there. They're statues. They're mannequins. It's just bones and flesh. This is usually where the gospel stops for a lot of people. There's a lot of clamor, a lot of ruckus. It looks like something has happened. They look like they've truly been resurrected, but there's no life in them. They're dead. You know how you can know if you're a true Christ follower? There will be evidence of it in your life. You will look like you're alive. You won't look like you're dead. There will be fruit in your life that will be evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit of God has been breathed into you. And here, God says, all right, call out to the winds. Speak a prophetic message over the winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. This is the difference between looking like you're alive and really being alive. There are some people that have had an experience, if you will. A, a time when they, they really thought that, you know what? I heard a lot. It was a big ruckus. I felt something. But there's no evidence in their life that they're really alive. There's no evidence in their life that they've been resurrected. Let me ask you a question. If we were to roll a casket in here and it had a dead body in it, and I were to get a mic stand and put it up behind that dead body and stand that mic up, stand that body up on that mic stand, would you go, Oh my gosh, look at that resurrected body! I can't believe it! Kenny just resurrected the dead. That was really cool. It would be a dead limp body held up by a mic stand. Now, when you saw a dead person come to life, you would know that there is a radical transformation that happened from being in the casket to them standing up and walking around and talking to you and getting something to eat which is oftentimes what Jesus did when he resurrected somebody. Why is it that people think that they're resurrected and there's really no difference between them in the new flesh, the the new existence, and the one that was laying in the casket? They just look like a dead person stood up. They're not moving anywhere. They're not doing anything. They're not saying anything. They're not reflecting the fact that they're alive and completely transformed. And yet we want to say, praise God, they've been resurrected. No, it's just a dead person standing up. But It makes us feel better, though, right? It makes us feel a little bit better. Well, I, my son, my daughter... They said some words, they filled out a card, they even got a baptistry and, and got wet. So they're standing there and they look dead, but I feel, I feel better because they went through some stuff. They went through all the steps. Even though there may not be any life in them, they went through all the steps, so they must be good. And we want to trick our minds into believing that because they're standing up, they must be good. But they're dead. There's no life in them. Notice what happens. I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. Notice what happens when they they come alive. Finally, they're no longer just flesh and bones. Now they got breath breathed into them. Now they're alive. What do they become? A great army. A great army. Now what does an army do? An army goes out and takes... The what's the, the the orders, the instructions that has been given to them, and they carry it out. And they do it no matter what the cost, right? They say, our leader, our director, the, the, the one that is in charge, he's given us these orders, he's given us these commands, and we just follow them. Even if it means our death, this is what we do. They become a great army. My question to you is this: if you are truly resurrected and you come to life and you got breath in you, do you look like part of this army? Do you look like one that has said, you know what, I will do whatever I've been told to do, even if it means my very own death. And we're going arm in arm because we are stronger as a unit, and we're going to take this that we've been given and take it out into the world. I I think that we look a lot more like statues of armies than real armies sometimes. I wish that I could just say some magical words and all these people would, would, would just come to life. All these people that are pretending and acting. But all I can do, according to the Word of God, because you may feel like this. There may be somebody in your life, somebody that's close to you, maybe a loved one, maybe a, a brother, a sister, a mom, dad, aunt, uncle, or maybe your best friend. I don't know. But you're like, man, I wish I could just shake them enough for them to be able to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how they can be brought from death to life. I just wish I could do enough. Well, you have to see this. You have to see that it is the work of God. It's the work of God. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to stop speaking. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel, he commanded him to speak and he spoke in obedience. It's like this, the, the, this, this scale. And you're like, I don't understand how both can be true. He's a sovereign Lord, but yet I'm commanded to speak. He's going to do what he's going to do, yet he uses me. I don't understand it all. Yeah, I don't either. But I can tell you this, that he is, he is God. And when that happens, when you lead somebody to Christ, when they come to know that, that, that they have been resurrected from the dead and there's new life in them and they're walking around and they're part of this army... You know that it's happened. You're able to to see that it's happened. It shakes you to your core because you have seen the dead be brought to life. And not only does it are they changed forever, but you are changed forever as a result. God uses that experience to to give us passion and desire to go and walk around more dead bones to go into more valleys with their dead, dry bones and do everything that we can to prophesy and to tell them that, you know what? God has said this. God has given us the truth. You can't make it happen, but you can't be a disobedient either. You want to see real resurrection? You want to see a miraculous thing you keep prophesying you keep saying the things that God has told you to say you don't sugarcoat it you don't shake it up put your own little spin on it you say exactly what God has called you to say and you will see resurrection happen the biggest problem we have today is most people just won't speak they just won't speak They're just waiting on God to do something and they think it's all on him and maybe if I can drag them to church, maybe if I can just get them to church and they won't speak themselves. Maybe they'll listen to what Kenny says. You know who they'll listen to more than they'll listen to me? The person that knows them a lot better than me. See, I'm just a guy that stands up here. But you know them personally. You care about them. You've walked around their dry, dead bones. You've seen the situation they're in. You've been in their valley. Maybe God's calling you to speak. Maybe God's calling you to be the one that talks to them and says this wonderful, powerful message. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for the testimony of Ezekiel who did just as you commanded him to do, to prophesy to the dead bones. And even when the dead bones, when they arose and became flesh, God, you commanded him to speak life into them, to command the four winds that they might breathe life into these bones that these bones would indeed become a creation Lord you you are sovereign and there is no doubt that you know every single thing that will happen there is no doubt that you know the ins and outs of every one of our hearts but there is also no doubt that you have called us to do something with these precious lives that you've given us not not just our own lives, God, that you have breathed life into us, but God, you are using us as an instrument and as a tool to the people that are around us, that we have this sphere of influence of people around us, that that we are to have a desire and a passion because we have seen their dead bones. God, I pray that we be spirit-led people that are willing to go wherever and do whatever, that we're willing to, to... Go in the face of opposition, no matter what it may look like. No matter if it's the, closest, the people closest to us. No matter if it's the whole world that we're supposed to go into this world as an army. Arm in arm together with those who have this true spirit. Go into this, this world. And whether we die or whether we live, God, we proclaim this truth. Lord Jesus, I pray that you convicted somebody's heart here tonight. Maybe somebody doesn't know you. Maybe they're not a Christian. Maybe you've revealed that to them tonight, that they're just a dead body standing there. There is no life in them because there's no evidence of your spirit within them. God, I pray that you've convicted them. I pray that you've opened their eyes. Lord, And if there's somebody here that's a Christian, that's a Christ follower, God, they're silent. They're just not saying what you've called them to say. Lord, I pray that you've convicted them as well. That you've opened their eyes and shown them how the power that exists through you using your tools in your hands. God, I pray that we would work, that we would look for work, that you would give us work, that you would not give us the miraculous, but that you would give us work, and that we would be obedient. Father, thank you so much. May we respond to you now in obedience. In Jesus' name.